The Holy Gospel according to John. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know. The one who is coming after me, I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. In our Gospel text this morning, we read about John. In our other Gospels, John is called John the Baptizer or John the Baptist, John the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. But here he is simply John, a man sent from God. I'd like to add one more name or image. I'd like to think of him today as John the Lighthouse. The place where the ocean meets the land is beautiful. Who doesn't want to live along or visit the coast with a gorgeous view of expansive water? But if you're in a boat or a ship navigating a mysterious body of water, perhaps in the darkness of night, the coast can also be a dangerous place. The giant rocks, the jagged edges, the crags, the places that jut out unexpectedly, threatening danger to those who travel by water if they misjudge how close they are to the land. Their ship could be wrecked. But lighthouses transform the coast. Their lights help guide the way, marking those places that could cause harm and creating places of safety. Often these lighthouses also indicate some civilization is around. They're an invitation to a place where you can dock your boat, find a small town, take a rest, find food and fuel. They are a beacon to weary travelers, offering the hope of refuge. So now this uncertain, potentially dangerous place with the help of a little lighthouse, instead becomes this place of hospitality and welcome. 
In our gospel story, John is a voice crying out in the wilderness. The wilderness can be a dangerous place. In expansive Middle East deserts, it's easy to lose your way. It's easy to run out of food or water on your journey. John has a message. He is testifying to the light, to Jesus the Messiah. He could bring this message to the city first, to Jerusalem. Surely there are more people to gather there. But here he's, he is in this untamed, dangerous place with those on the margins who find themselves not in the center of things, but on the dangerous edges of things, cut off from other people, traveling on their way, going somewhere. John is proclaiming good news, proclaiming light and life and one who is to come. And John is very clear that he is not the light. He says he's not the Messiah or Elijah or even a prophet. He is simply a vessel, a messenger, pointing to Jesus. Like a lighthouse, he holds the light, creating a path pointing the way. That's what John does. He beacons to weary travelers, to any who have lost their way, to all who are looking and searching for something more or different. He testifies to the light. Turn to God. There is hope. There is one who brings new life to you. In the Gospel of John, one of the main marks of discipleship is witnessing. It comes up over and over again that disciples of Jesus tell the story of Jesus. They witness, they testify to how they've experienced God who is at work in their lives, like the man who was born blind or the woman at the well. Like John, they act as lighthouses, holding the light and pointing the way for others. There's a book called Lighthouse Keeping by Jeanette Winterson. She's my favorite author, and this is my second favorite of her books. But in this book, there is a man named Pew. He's the lighthouse keeper. In the days before automation, when lighthouses needed more tending to, he kept the light. And he was one in a long line of men named Pew. For generations, his family had kept the light going strong. Now, in addition to keeping the light, Pew also keeps the town stories. He's this human history book. He knows everyone. He knows how everything is connected, what makes this place where he lives unique and interesting. So when a ship stopped and came into town for a rest, Pew would tell them the stories he kept. He tends the light and he keeps the stories, almost as if they are one in the same, as if the stories fuel the light. But one funny thing about Pew is that he can't remember how old he is. See, he's repeated these stories that have been passed down by generations so many times 
that he can't distinguish if he's heard it or if he's lived it. So he tells every story as if he himself has lived it, as if he was there, even if it happened 150 years ago. Every story is his story. When I read this book, though it's not a religious book at all, it reminds me of what we do as Christians, what John did, what we still do. We tell the same stories over and over. The story of John the Baptist, our Christmas story, Epiphany, We tell the same stories every year. Why? Why tell the same story every single year? It's not like it changes. We tell the story because in telling the story, we testify to the light. We tend to the story, keeping it alive and bright. We tell the story so that we don't forget how easy it is to get distracted by all the other things in our lives. We tell the story because there is someone somewhere that is hungering to hear it. We tell the story not because it's something important that happened a long time ago and we should remember it. We tell the story because the more we tell it, the more we realize that it's our story. It's happening to us right now. We're living it. The Word made flesh, God incarnate. Like John the Lighthouse, our role as Christians is to hold the light, to witness to the light, and point the way to Jesus. Those years when we were able to have a live nativity or a big Christmas pageant, the reason those are powerful things, it's not because you're dressing up and play acting or reenacting the story. It's because you're embodying the story, putting on the gospel. That's what makes even the most disorganized Christmas pageants so special and wondrous. It's through them we are telling our own story. That we are witnessing to the light, testifying to God's love, pointing people to Jesus, all while dressed as lambs and shepherds and angels and such. But we witness to the light in so many ways, not just this time of year. We witness to the light of Christ when we choose actions that keep our neighbors healthy. We witness to the light of Christ when we find new ways to worship God in these strange times. We witness to the light when we reach out to the weary and offer a place of comfort and rest. Or when we reach out to the lonely, offering a word of encouragement and love. We witness to the light when we tell others how we've seen God at work in our own lives. We witness to the light when we share the sacred story and claim it as our own story. 
We witness to the light when we remember that we are not the light. Just the people called to tend to it and care for it and share it. We simply hold the light for others, providing a sanctuary in a world that is both beautiful and dangerous, hoping to create a world that doesn't make so many grow weary. As followers of Christ, we trust that God works in us and through us, and we ask that Christ's light shines through our words and deeds, and that everything we do is a witness to God's love.